welcome to this uh, new episode of the SESEC podcast. Today, here with me is Gabor Skoritsky. He is Associate Professor of the Orthopedic Clinic and the Deputy Clinical Director of this clinic in the Semmelweis University in Budapest, in beautiful Hungary. And uh, we are talking about a paper on subscapularis refixation in reverse shoulder arthroplasty. The title of this study is, does the subscapularis refixation affect the clinical outcome after primary reverse shoulder arthroplasty? And um, the aim of this study was to um, evaluate whether it's refixation of the subscapularis is something good or if we can leave it away. And Gabor, welcome. What what was the background of this study? So first of all, thank you very much, Robert, for inviting me to this excellent initiative, this podcast, which is, I think, is an excellent idea. Uh, going back to the topic, uh, this is a rather controversial topic, uh, refixing the subscap uh, during a reverse shoulder arthroplasty. Uh, this study is very interesting. They uh, picked 50 patients and they uh, randomized them uh, to two groups. One were refixed and the other group of patients without refixation of the subscapularis. And uh, the, the authors measured some uh, the constant Merle score, uh, the subjective shoulder value, and also they examined the lift-off test and they tried to evaluate the post-operative results and see if there's any difference if the uh, subscape was refixed or not. And uh, interestingly enough, they did not find any significant difference between the two groups. They have also performed an ultrasound examination of the, uh, of the tendons, of the subscape tendons, and all of the results uh, were almost the same regardless of the state of the subscapularis tendon which is, uh, I guess, it is quite interesting. What do you think about that, Robert? Well, it's uh, it's really interesting because, I mean, there's two groups. Yeah? The ones they, who fix the subscapularis and the others who don't. And um, so the ones who fix it, they say, well, it's important to refix it. And the others who don't, they say it doesn't matter. So, and there's always controversy. So, and this study helps us a little bit to enlighten this controversy. And... Um, you're right. Yeah, they they didn't find any uh, significant difference after three years. So three years is the is the follow up of this study. After twelve months, the refixed cohort was better than the not refixed. But after three years, they were equal. And in all the other values, they were also equal, except of one, and that was internal rotation. So internal rotation. I mean, it's it's. It's very logical, right? Exactly. So internal rotation was better in the refixed group. And the authors, um, they they did find it. And, well, only one-third of the um, refixed subscapularis tendons disappeared sonographically because they tested sonographically if the subscap is there after three years. And only 71% had that. And the other third was somehow gone. So they concluded that, uh, well, subscapularis leads to a better internal rotation. But at the end, overall, it doesn't matter. You know what I would be very curious about, Robert? 
they did not say anything about uh, dislocation. If you go to the literature, you probably doesn't really find any difference if you refix the subscap, uh, if it affects any way the dislocation rate. But I will be quite curious about that in this paper. And also, which probably makes some difference, what kind of a design you use. Do you use, a, use an in-lane design or an on-lane design on the humerus side? Because that affects also the uh, refixation of the subscap. So probably you should ask it from the authors. Yes, absolutely. There's so many different designs out there, inlay, onlay, flushlay, with lateralization, with bio-RSAs, with metallic augmentations, and so on and so on. And all of them affect lateralization and distalization. And in some cases, um, you, you, you cannot even refix the subscapularis if you do too much of it. So if you even want to do it and you refix it, then patients get stiff and so on. We all know about these problems. Um, but still, interestingly, uh, it's uh, a, a study which which helps. I don't know if it really helps us to um, yeah to 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 flatten out this um, dispute about refixing or not. <laughs> but it's truly. It's it's truly uh, beneficial for us to better understand if we should refix or not. So let's or if you cannot refix it, you still have a data from the literature that you don't need to refix it, and you will yes. get good at the end of the day. So Gabor, I'm very curious to listen to the authors which we have interviewed and find out what they have to tell us. Okay, let's listen to them. Welcome both of you i'm very happy to have you here and we're talking about the um, next study to present in our podcast series which is presented by dr yasin amesian from the university hospital in münster in germany and it has the title does the subscapularis refixation affect the clinical outcome after primary reverse shoulder arthroplasty and today i have also a very special guest with us and this is philippe colon from the Centre Hospitalier Privé Saint-Grégoire in France. And uh, he's our expert today. And he has also published a very similar work and presented on the Congress, which has the title Effect of Postoperative Integrity of the Subscapularis Repair at Two Years on Functional Outcomes Following Reverse Total Shoulder Arthroplasty. So both very interesting topics. It's about refixation of the subscapularis in the reverse. Shall we do it or shouldn't we do it? And please, Yasin, can you give us an insight in your study? What, what have you done? Yeah, good evening. So in our study, we were asking if the subscapularis refixation of the primary reverse shoulder arthroplasty affects the postoperative outcome. Therefore, we randomized 50 patients either to group A, the subscapularis refixation group, or to group B, the no subscapularis refixation group. Group A was about 26 patients and group B about uh, 24 patients. The only difference between both groups preoperatively was uh, were four tendon to tendon sutures used in group A for the subscapularis refixation during surgery. And uh, all patients uh, met the inclusion criteria of um, calf tear arthropathy as an indication for surgery and they uh, showed a refixable subscapularis tendon. Exclusion criteria of our surgery were uh, previous shoulder surgery at the, at the shoulder that were treated and other 
and also other uh, indications than Kafti arthropathy. Uh, at uh, one year follow-up and at three year follow-up, we were able to, uh, to examine uh, the patients with the constant score and also with the subjective shoulder value. At uh, 12 month follow-up, um, we were able to examine 41 patients and uh, at uh, three year follow-up, we were able to follow up um, 43 patients. The main results of our study were um, that the subscapillary fixation group displayed better results after 12 months in the constant score than the no subscapillary fixation group. But after three years, there were no statistical differences concerning um, uh, or between the two groups, uh, the subscapillary fixation group or the no subscapillary fixation group. Also, the subjective shoulder value showed no statistical differences after three years. So uh, at 12 months uh, follow-up, forward flexion, abduction, and external rotation showed no statistical differences, but the internal rotation uh, was statistically better in the uh, subscapillary refixation group. And concerning uh, the ultrasound examination we did at the follow-up, uh, 14% unsuccessful refixation rate in the subscapillaris refixation group with an average tendon thickness of 9.9 millimeters. At three year follow-up, we also found no differences concerning forward flexion, abduction, and external rotation, but also a statistically better uh, internal rotation in the subscapillaris refixation group. Concerning the ultrasound after three years, we found a 30% rate of uh, unsuccessful refixation or of ruptured tendon and a slightly smaller tendon thickness on average, about 4.2 millimeters. And all in all, this led us to the conclusion that at the midterm follow-up, there is no difference or if the subscapillary fixation does not affect the outcome after three, after three years but it does affect the post-operative internal rotation as well as, uh, I'm sorry, uh, after one year and after three years. Philippe, I, I have seen in, in your study, uh, you also tested the subscapularis and um, asked whether it heals or not. And in, in half of the cases, the subscapularis didn't heal. What, what? Yes. Why was that so? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I would like to thank Yasin for his wonderful study. Uh, and what is interesting to see is the fact that I have uh, something like 45% of failure. Yasin has 30% of failure at two years. It means that, of course, it's not exactly the same, but it means that it's a high rate of failure. And it's very interesting when you find something and someone else that you don't know, somewhere in another country, other patient, they find not the same, but almost the same. Because we don't have this rate of failure for anatomic arthroplasty. We have something like three or four, five percent, but we, uh, I always check my anatomic prosthesis with an ultrasound exam, and the rate of failure is very low. And of course, when you have a failure on an anatomic prosthesis, uh, it's clinically, you, you see that because it's a, it's a true failure, it's a clinical failure. So it's interesting to see that, we don't know why, but 
uh, it is a fact that the subscapularis doesn't heal very well in reverse shoulder arthroplasty. We can, we can say that because in the two studies, it's the same. And there is another study which has been done, I think, in Netherlands, and they found the same results. So we can now, on three uh, papers, three studies say that um, the rate of healing after reverse, the rate of healing of subscapularis tendon after reverse shoulder arthroplasty is low. But I don't know why. I cannot say why. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I was I, I was I was very carefully listening to both of your of your presentations and studies, and you know, in my hands when I do a reverse, there is always the the fact of lateralization, and most of the reverse, at least in our hands, are done in with lateralization with bio RSA and. You do lateralize. Philippe, did you lateralize in your study? Did you assess the lateralization? Because sometimes if you have too much of it, you will not fix the subscapularis back to its position. I, I understand your question. Um, <clears throat> so first, I have, I have to say that for this study, it was uh, the Gramont design, same uh, uh, bio seven millimeters, same sphere, and, every, and 20 degrees of retroversion for the humerus stem. So it, in, other, in other words, it was always the same. So all the patients were the same. And I'm not sure that we lateralize that much because if you look at the biomechanics, in fact, with the Gramont design, you don't lateralize that much. You even medialize. I think the most problem, it's, it's not the same course. The, the direction of the fiber of the subscapularis are totally different after a reverse. I think it is the main problem. I'm not sure it's related to the lateralization. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think it's a, the, the, the direction of the fiber of the subscapularis, which are different, and probably that's related to this. The other option, I think it, for me, Probably in the in the past, I didn't take that much attention when I repair a subscapularis after a reverse compared to anatomic. In the past, probably I would say, okay, I would put three stitches and I'm not very, very, okay, it's the end of the, we, we are all surgeons, huh? we know how, how it is, it's the end of the procedure. And, uh, and you know that it's not so important, so perhaps you don't pay attention too much. And I do, and now I really pay attention. So I probably modify a bit my, 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 my practice. Okay, but uh, how did you refix the subscapularis tendon after primary reverse shoulder arthroplasty in your study? What technique do you use? Uh, always the same, uh, 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 tendon to tendon, uh, three uh, stitches, uh, and with I, I put my, my 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 thread in the bone and in the tendon. Okay, it's nearly the same way we refix the tendon. Also, with the fiber wire tendon, tendon to tendon. Exactly, exactly. Fiber wire tendon to tendon. But I go primary through the bone, then through the tendon, and then through the bone and through the tendon. I think it's the same than than perhaps for the anatomic shoulder arthroplasty. I put four stitches. 
probably I, I I pay more attention for the anatomy, probably. But 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 the direction of the fiber are not the same. That's true, and you always have a, a distalization. The, the the direction of the subscapularis fibers changes. So the subscapularis and what do you think about the um the prosthesis design? Because you know you have the 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 cup, the metaphysical part of the reverse. Could it be that the tendon is scrubbing against the metal part of the reverse of the metaphysis in a different way than it does in an anatomic? That could be an option, you're right. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm doing a, a second study now in order to compare the rate of healing with the with the flex system. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Perhaps we we damage a lot the lesser tuberosity, and then there is no more blood, and um, it's not good for the tendon healing. That's an, that, that could be an option. But I think it's mainly related to the distalization. One one question to maybe both of you. Um, I did see the fact of fatty atrophy in your studies. So if there's a cuff arthropathy and maybe you have an MRI or CT before your surgery, you see uh, sometimes a lot of fatty atrophy of the subscapularis. And once you have that, uh, I could imagine that the tendon degenerates very quickly and the function is also bad then. Yes, exactly. So therefore, I'm sorry, therefore in, uh, in our study, we only used or, or only included patients with an with a intact subscapularis tendon and also sub intact subscapularis muscle without any fatty infiltration. So uh, same for me, but I, I think it's, for me, it was too, too difficult to do that because when you have a cuffed arthropathy, most of the time, it's rare to have a grade one on the subscap. So what I did, uh, <clears throat> if it was grade three or four, I considered it as a non-repair tendon. I've, I've classified all the grade three and four as non-healed in order to, 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 to assess the constant score and the internal rotation, especially the internal rotation. But um, should I say something, Robert? I would like to discuss about how to analyze uh, internal rotation with the reverse. I think it's a wonderful, I, I like this subject. So if I may say something? Yeah, sure. Philippe, you're, you're free, free to ask anything. Please go. So I would like to speak about that because we had this discussion with my very good friend, Mike, Mark Frankel, and we did a, another study together and we found exactly the same results. Means that if we, means that probably we don't have the good score at the moment. First, what we can say from my study, from the study which has been done by Yassin, is the fact that if you just check the constant score, you don't have the answer. So if you just check the constant score, if you reattach or not, if your subscap is healed or not, so constant score is not good enough. Now, second, if you just don't look at the constant score, but just look at the internal rotation related to the constant score, which means only 10 points out of 100. Then, if we did that, and when we had, then we found a difference, but it was not so important. It was five 
in one group and almost seven in the other group, which is, it is a difference. It was statistically significant, but not uh, enough. So what we did, uh, we, we classified in three types. And I think we should in the future um, give our results regarding this classification, which means only three types. Type one means that it's very easy to put your hand in your back, it's very easy, like a normal shoulder. Type two means that you can do it, it's possible to do it, but it's not natural, you know? You have to crawl a bit. It's, you need to crawl a bit your hand in order to reach your back. And type three, it's end uh, to, to the buttock. It's, you, can, you can do nothing. You are really bothered. Then uh, if you look at your patient, you will always have only the three categories, only. You don't have a, that or that or that. It's type one, type two, type three. It's always like that. So I think it will be easier, and we did another study with Mark, and it's exactly the same result. When you do that, you can find difference if you reattach subscap or not. Because, of course, type one is perfect, but type two, it's, it's not perfect, but you can reach your back, which is important. You can do it. And the main problem is the type three, because you are really bothered by that. And I think in the future, we'll have, and you have, because you are young, uh, you, Yassine, and you, Robert. You, please work on this. Why, at least in my practice, one third of my patients are type three. It means that they are really bothered by that. They can do nothing. It's it's uh, it's very very difficult for them. Yes, and I and I think that exactly what you said. Those patients who have this type three result. For them, there is no difference if you reattach the subscapularis or not. There, there will be no difference. These, these people or these patients will not be able uh, to reach the back even with the best subscapularis repair. And I have, I have uh, see, seen, Philippe, you have the last slide of your presentation was maybe there are other factors affecting the internal rotation capacity. So other factors instead of an intact subscapularis, which, which makes them being a type three in your classification or type one uh, internal rotation. So what could that be? Um, okay, so we did another study in this study. And then we looked to other parameters. We looked at two other parameters, which were internal rotation in position two, and scapula tilt, okay? It's, it's, it's not so difficult to measure the scapular tilt. With a special device, you can measure the scapular tilt. And then we did um, multivariate analysis and we found that it's a combination of the three, okay? It means that if you have good internal rotation in position three, like that, in position two, sorry, like that, if you have good uh, internal rotation in position two like that, it means you have probably no impingement anteriorly with the coraco biceps and everything. So you will always have a good internal rotation in fact. If you are a bit stiff here, it's, it's not wonderful, it's only 10 or 15 degrees. 
then you need a perfect subscap and a good scapula, um, a good motion in your scapula, okay? So you need at least to have two out of three. But what is very interesting for the orthopedic surgeon is the fact that you can rehabilitate, you can do rehabilitation on the scapular motion, okay? So if you have a patient which is in type three, then check the subscap. And then if, 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 and if the subscap is good and if the patient is in type three, then perhaps you need to make a lot of rehabilitation on the scapular motion and you can recover internal rotation. Yeah, sounds very interesting, Yassine. What, what was your, after you did the study in Münster and in the university, um, did you change something in your procedure during surgery or in your analysis, how to uh, assess patients or how to uh, select patients for surgery? Well, during surgery, uh, this study showed us that, um, or showed the surgeon that we have to do no changement because um, the purpose of our study was to, to show or to see uh, whether the subscapularis refixation does influence the post-operative overall outcome or not. And therefore, before this study, uh, we did, uh, the surgeon that did not refix the subscapularis refixation and by uh, the subscapularis, and by showing that there are no statistical differences in the overall outcome, um, the surgeon, the senior surgeon, um, did not uh, conclude and did not change his style of uh, of doing the surgery. So he's still doing no subscapularis refixation. Aha! Uh -huh. So. You're, you're not refixing the subscapularis? No. Ah, that's interesting, but didn't, I mean, I, uh, I'm asking when the internal rotation is better according to your data, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, last but least, it's still a, a, personal, um, a personal style of uh, a senior surgeon, and he prefers to do not refix the subscapularis. Philippe, you, you always refix the subscapularis, do you? Yes, and I take more and more, I pay more and more attention to my refixation now. Me too. Compared, compared to the past. I'm refixing every each subscapularis as good as I can. But sometimes, if you do, I mean, We talked about lateralization, distalization. Sometimes I don't know whether I, I should make it too tight. You know, once, once the subscapular, once you refix it, it gets a little tight. So I am getting afraid of uh, external rotation deficit when I put the subscapularis under too much um, tightness. Uh, thank you for, your, for, for, this, um, for what you said. Uh, we've checked that. And there was no correlation between uh, healing as a subscap and lack of external rotation compared to non-heal group. So no problem, in fact. If you if you reduce it, you don't you don't have problem on your external rotation. Yeah, we found the same with the same results in our study. So whether the subscapularis was refixed or not, there were no differences concerning the external rotation. That's interesting. 
That's a good studies, in fact. When we don't know each other and we have the same results, that's the best way. Yes, I know. Absolutely. So, um, at the end, it's really interesting to listen to both of you. And uh, your, your data are, are pretty similar. And I think it's, it's very interesting to follow the ideas of refixing the subscapularis and to question which factors truly affect the internal rotation capacity in reverse shoulder arthroplasty. And at the end, there's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to, to have the conclusions because although your studies are very similar, the one author or the senior surgeon of the one study says no refixation, And the other says, I've refixed everything. So like in real life, we will see what future brings. And I um, thank you both very much for having this interview together. And I think it's going to be very interesting to listen and see future research on subscapularis refixation and reverse shoulder arthroplasty. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Yassine, for, because it was very interesting to share with you. And a special thank you to you, Robert, because uh, I know your involvement in the CSEC and uh, I really appreciate this idea of podcast. And thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Have a good time. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Gabor, do you fix your subscapularis? Uh, I try to, but you know, I don't know what is in your practice, but in my practice, I almost always deal with the very terrible post-traumatic cases where you don't really have a subscap, or I deal with so bad uh, rotator arthropathy that you know you you cannot really find the subscap. If I can, I refix it, but I don't really care with that, to be honest with you. Okay, so if you can, you refix, but you're not sad if you I'm not sad. What, what do not you manage do? to refix it. I try to refix everything. I refix it always. But, I mean, you have to take care. If you have uh, too much lateralization or distalization, then uh, you shouldn't refix too much because then there gets stiff. But, you know, if it's, uh, it's, if it's elective surgery and I have a subscap, um, because if you improve internal rotation, which these authors did show us, they improve internal rotation. Why shouldn't I give it to a patient? So, but you know, I think we will discuss a lot more about this topic and I'm very happy that we have such great authors who, um, who give us these data and these studies to improve shoulder and elbow surgery in the SESEC and within our community. So many thanks for listening. Gabor Skolitsky. No, Skolitsky. Yes, that's it. Gabor, that's right. <laughs> I, know I know it's difficult. Gabor, I know I know one sentence in Hungarian. You want to listen to it? Yes, please. Let me tell es nem <laughs> okay, would you give me a translation <laughs> for that? We will we will wait. We will wait if our listeners of the SESEC can tell us what that means on the next congress when we meet live and in person. So many will, thanks again. We will send an extra podcast for them. <laughs> yes, we will. Okay, bye, come on. Bye bye. Have a nice, Thank you, have a nice day. Bye bye.
So this was the SESAC podcast on the paper. Does the subscapularis refixation affect the clinical outcome after primary reverse shoulder arthroplasty? A study with the author Yassin Amezian from Germany and the SESAC expert Philippe Collin from France. I was together with Gabor Skolicki from Hungary. My name is Robert Hudek. And I hope you enjoyed this session. Have a nice day and I hope to hear you soon.